Hello, welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> the Thunder Thigh Dome. Thunder Thigh Dome. Uh, this is the Spooky Succubus cast for another week with your friendly friends, Abby and Rebecca. Welcome to our anti-racist, anti-capitalist, intersectional feminist podcast about sometimes horror movies and sometimes how attracted we are to the men in the horror movies. Why is Bruce Campbell so hot? (laughs) Really, though, it's upsetting. I'm upset that I'm attracted to him. I mean, the other option, I guess, if you are only interested in cishet men would be Scotty, who who I definitely... I wouldn't go there. Yeah, it's, no. I mean, he's not a good person. Nobody wants Scotty. He's horrible. Not even his girlfriend, Shelly, wants Scotty. So, you know. She's like, thank God I'm possessed by this demon. This is more alive than I've felt in years. <laughs> uh, so what movie are we talking about this week? We're talking about the original 1981 Evil Dead, directed by uh, anti-friend to women in marginalized communities, <laughs> Sam Raimi. <laughs> Oh, man. Boy, I have a lot to say and also, like, nothing to say because I'm kind of tired of, of I'm men, actually really you know? tired of having this same conversation. Sam, if you hear this, please find a therapist and examine why uh, you feel that sexual violence against women is a horror trope that needs to be upheld. Well, so he is complicit in this, but the real spearhead of the of the trigger warning rape scene is the producer, Robert Tappert. Tapper. I don't know. So, I mean, but he's complicit. And he he's complicit. With his yeah. lens. So, you know. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm tired of um, white guys. Let's do a better movie. Let's do a movie made by a woman next. I think I can't was, talk about men anymore. I can't do this anymore. I know, honestly, like, I feel like how many times can we talk about like American imperialism and sexual violence against women in these movies. I mean, we're going to do it every week. This is we signed ourselves up for this. But this week in particular, I'm just tired. You know, there's like a there's a lot happening in America. Yeah, the world is just disgusting. Mad. It makes me mad. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's really um, an emotionally exhausting time to be alive. And right. remember that if you get to rest and not think about. Sorry. If you get to rest and not think about how racism impacts, like, the health, well-being, and aliveness of people, uh, rest is important, but remember to acknowledge that privilege. But, yeah, a lot of fucked up shit is happening. That has been happening for generations, and uh, we're all complicit in it, actually. We're all. We are If you're a white person, you're complicit in white supremacy. Uh, It's true. If you're, yeah, if you're white passing if you're i anybody all of us it's all bad but it's so bad you guys community works and you can donate you can volunteer you can get your butt out there and help but remember to listen to black leaders okay black and brown leaders okay okay cool and don't assume that you know what's best for people of color because you fucking don't shut up um dark times dark so it's all dark times we just had have had the privilege to ignore it for a long time but anyway yeah it's been this way for many many years uh speaking of community should we come together to take a communal dump on this movie the evil dead 
<laughs> I mean, I'm going to say that I still like this movie and I like Oh, I like it too. Yeah. I like Evil Dead 2 more. It's like are you it's a it's not arguable that it's a better movie. It's basically the same movie, just if they made it better with more money. So it's a better movie. Um, but I you've never seen the, it. I don't know. I liked the obvious lack of funding. It endeared me to this movie. Right. Um, yeah. But other things didn't. So I guess we should just jump in, right? Let's get into it. Okay. Let me pull my computer closer so my grandmotherly eyes can read this. <laughs> So uh, we open on echoing demonic voices uh, in a shot of a foggy forest, and then the camera cuts up towards a car in a lake. No explanation, and there never will be. Don't ask. Sorry. We see a very stylish yellow car with five college students who are 40. (laughs) For real. College students that are 40 years old and wearing wigs, um, driving (laughs) through the same wood, and we cross-cut between the demonic laughter uh, and the youths singing a song we couldn't identify. We did a Google search just seconds before we started recording, and our extensive research turned up nothing. So if you know the song, let us know. Also, like, who sings in a car? Like, who just, instead of, like, listening, singing along with the radio is one thing, but, like, just singing in a car. Were the 80s a different time? Like, that seems awkward. The 80s were a different time. Uh, And I, maybe they didn't have a radio. Were radios not standard issue? In a car? I think they were. In a car? Like, as the, I don't know, the 50s, in movies from the 50s, they have radios in the cars, right? So... I remember my mom telling me a story of when she was she was born in 1958, so it was probably the 60s, and they didn't have like it wasn't you know you didn't have to wear seatbelts and there weren't car seats for children yet. Mm-hmm. So she said the car was so shitty that she had when they were growing up. She remembers being like three or four and looking down from the passenger side, which she shouldn't have been sitting in, and just seeing the road pass like underneath. <laughs> My mom has similar stories. She was born a few years later, but yeah. How did people survive, honestly? It's a miracle. Um, but then, but now we have baby boomers, so like, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, a given. I mean, we didn't need all of them. I'm just going to say that. We'll put it out there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... They're singing so, awkwardly in a car. It's awkward to me. I was like, it is really I-? awkward. And at first I was like, you guys, please don't leave Shelly hanging. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> but then Scotty joins in with Shelly. So we're good. So ominous music plays as they enter into Tennessee uh, and they have a near miss with a truck, uh, which is, you know, foreshadowing, I guess. Uh, I, they're heading nothing. towards it's, <laughs> they're just like they almost have a head on collision with a truck and the truck is like, can you drive? more appropriately and then yeah two people on the side of the road wave at them and nothing oh my gosh and scotty's so aggro to them and i'm like they're just saying hello like god you're fuck you so um they're heading towards a rental cabin and note that they're getting it very cheap so it could be in bad shape uh when they reach the cabin the porch swing is banging rhythmically even though there appears to be no wind but it ceases when scott picks up the front door key Scott looks around while the others unload. Later, um, everyone has settled in, and Cheryl, sister of Ash, uh, a.k.a. Bruce Campbell, Mm -hmm. is drawing a picture of the wall clock when it begins to chime erratically. Wind blows from the window, and low voices say, Join us. Uh, Was that good? It was great. 
Thank you. It was perfect. Her hand becomes possessed and draws a book with a face on it, which sounds really stupid, but it was actually kind of creepy. It was kind of creepy. Um, also, like, if this happened to me or to you, probably, I'd be like, okay, time to go back home. Like, don't just ignore it and pretend You're it just was fine. Gonna, to be fair, they would just gaslight her into thinking it didn't really happen because poor Cheryl. I mean, the edit this woman gets, honestly. Um, her hand was possessed. And then she sits down to dinner and doesn't tell anyone. So, like, wh- what are you waiting for, Pro Sherry tip. baby? Like, come on. Sherry, baby. Pro tip, travel with people who will believe you if you become possessed and need to leave a cabin in a remote woodland. I mean, yeah, like, what's up, Ashley? Why aren't, Why don't you believe your sister? Uh. Also, yeah, she's right? the fifth wheel. I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her, too. And, she, like, why is everyone listening to Scotty? What is, how do you Ugh. think he knows anything? He's demonstrated... He only the ability to almost get in a head-on collision with a truck. Mm-hmm. And he's got blonde hair and blue eyes. That's all you need in Apparently. this world, right? So as Cheryl examines the drawing, the trapdoor on the floor to the cellar begins to stir. Uh, they eat dinner, and the same trapdoor flies open. Scotty goes down to check that there are no critters in the cellar. Uh, Scotty doesn't immediately respond to Ash's calls, so he follows him to check. Ash hears a door slam and moves toward it warily. He enters what looks like a meat cellar. There still appear to be hanging items. Yeah, they're like bones and gourds. There's like big I don't understand the, the point of the gourds. It's like but. gourds or legs of prosciutto. No one really knows. <laughs> uh, so Scotty startles him there when he enters the gourd locker. Um <laughs> Gord, Gord Locker, Locker TM. Uh, Scotty shows him a cache of stuff left by previous occupants, uh, including a shotgun and shells and a Sumerian Book of the Dead and dagger, which at that point, no, you don't touch it. Don't touch that shit. Don't touch yeah. it. Put it down. It looks bad. Put no, it, it looks, it's human skin. Like, you know it's human skin. Don't touch it. So they take all the stuff upstairs where they're listening to a recording on a tape deck they found from an archaeologist who was at a dig site in Candor, which I think is made up. Yeah. I couldn't find any evidence that it's a real place. I think it's sort of like a, ver- a movie version of Babylon, I think. Right, because it's like ancient Sumerian. Right. He says he has found something significant in the ruins, a book called Naturan de Monto, containing Sumerian funerary rites. It is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood and contains incarnations by which demons can possess the living. On the tape, he begins chanting in Sumerian, and outside the ground swells with eerie red light and fog. As Cheryl screams to shut off the tape, a branch breaks through the window. So another red flag, like... But everyone's like, no, shut up, Cheryl. We're fine. Yeah, like, this is normal. No, it's really not. It's not. Um, Also, the archaeologist, not a good guy, totally, like, removed the consent of anyone that accidentally listens to that tape. Like, excuse me? And his poor wife. Like, God, she didn't want to be part of this, you know? Wait. No, she was... Bork Bork alert. alert. Also, I'm going to take this break to... Cracking open a cold one. What are you uh, having? La Croix. It's a beach plum. 
Beach Plum. Today I have Wegmans brand Blackberry Tangerine. Wow. Wow. I haven't had this one before. It's pretty good. That was a sip break. Sip break. So Ash and Linda decide to stay up and listen to the storm, and he gives her a necklace, and they smooch. Outside, demonic voices and wind are rising, and we see another point of view casing the outside of the cabin and stopping at Cheryl's window, repeating, join us. Cheryl decides it's a really good idea to go outside and scope it out. So she takes a little walk in the woods and the fog increases and trees crackle around her. So trigger warning right now for sexual assault um, perpetrated by a tree, but still horrifying. (sighs) Vines rise up to bind her and rip off her clothes. They wrestle her to the ground and spread her legs open. And she is raped by a gigantic branch. Uh, She gets free and runs into the woods, pursued by the branch demons. She makes it to the cabin and struggles to unlock the door, but Ash saves her. Cheryl is hysterical in the way the ladies get, you know, Mm -hmm. and says the trees attacked her and she asks Ash to drive her into town. No one believes her, but he complies. The car struggles to start, and Cheryl says it won't let them leave, but the car eventually turns over, and they start to drive. Uh, They reach the bridge, and Ash leaves the car, telling Cheryl to wait without any explanation, um, which is annoying. Like, can you tell her what you're going to look at? Right. He begins walking into the woods. She gets freaked out and follows him, and she sees that the bridge is out. When Ash finds her, she cries and says it won't let them go. Back at the cabin, Ash listens to the tape where the archaeologist says he believes his wife has become host to a Kandarian demon, and whatever he has resurrected will come calling for him, too. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. But we never, we don't see the the professor or or his wife, so. Presumably he made it back to Tennessee before the demons got him, but hard to know just hard another know. man escaping any punishment or retribution for his yeah. wrongdoings after putting like the woman in his life at risk and you know probably killing her yeah in the way of death yeah Shelly and Linda are playing a guessing game with um, a deck of playing cards. And from across the room, Cheryl is able to get each card in an increasingly deep voice. When she turns around, she is pretty much possessed. Like, you know, if you think of possessed, that's what we're getting here. Demons speak through her that they will all die like the others before them. Ash and Linda... Go to check on her after she collapses. And this is, I knew I remembered this. I knew I'd seen this movie before. (laughs) Cheryl grabs a pencil and stabs Linda in the Achilles heel uh, and then tips a bookcase over on Ash. Scotty hits her with an axe handle and manages to trap her in the cellar uh, under the trap door. So Shelly, Scotty, and Ash plan their departure for the next morning. Shelly hears something outside, but Scotty dismisses her classic and just tells Mm. her to go to bed. She does, and then the demon crashes through the bedroom window towards Shelly, and then she is not there when Scotty checks on her. (laughs) He checks the bathroom and can't find her, but when he turns around, she attacks him, and she is also possessed. Scotty and Shelly fight, and the demon tells Scotty to join them. She continues attacking him until he's finally able to stab her with the Sumerian dagger. Like, people. 
It's an artifact. And many right. fluids, many fluids from many cavities are spurted out for a long time, probably 15 seconds until it's, she succumbs. Yeah, it's the milky oozing for me. Milky you know? oozing. Yeah. I like the, um, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but when they explode or whatever, the, like, obvious, like, foam that goes in, like, ball pits or some shit, you know? Right, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, she finally dies, he walks toward her, and she reanimates, so he axes her into pieces, and they go to bury her. Afterwards, Scotty is leaving and decides he's going to look for another way out, and he is adamant that he's going to leave Ash and Linda there. Ash goes inside to check on Linda, but when he looks at her foot, the infection spreads and she rises up possessed, but like in a polite way. In like a blinky, I dream of genie kind of way. In like a cute doll way. She's not grotesque mm. like the other two, you know? Yep. Scotty returns after being attacked by the trees and says there's a way around the bridge, but the trees are alive and attacking him. Demon Linda giggles pretty cutely and they frankly don't seem that worried about her for a while but then he's like (laughs) sitting in the doorway like (laughs) like, (laughs) then ash is like oh right head in the game there's a demon so he prepares to shoot her but then normal linda returns and we hear cheryl's normal voice from the cellar uh but it was a trick and when ash approaches the demons attack him uh, enraged, Ash drags Linda outside and he goes to check on Scotty. He hears a noise and moves toward the window, but while he's distracted at the window, Linda has made it back inside and moves to stab him, uh, I guess, and they fight. He manages to stab her in the back with a dagger and she dies. This is my least favorite scene outside of the tree rape. Um, it's like so dramatic and overblown ash drags linda's body to the shed and he chains her up and decides he's going to dismember her with a chainsaw that he apparently had intimate knowledge of because he just like opens a cabinet and there it is uh but then he's overtaken by emotion and decides to cry uh he carries her outside to bury her but she reanimates uh but she hides it from ash she's sneaky so he puts her into the grave and buries her but she pops up and scratches him pretty severely uh they tussle and he manages to decapitate her with a shovel and gets away back in the cabin the trap door is open and cheryl is on the loose she (laughs) she pops up outside one of the windows uh, and he shoots her and goes to barricade the door then he remembers the shells in the basement and heads down to retrieve them where he finds blood running through the pipes he gets a face full of blood and then a record player and uh old camera switch on camera is that what it's called i literally wrote down film player and then i was like projector projector film projector i'm not well in my brain you guys i'm writing i'm googling film player like it's a (laughs) something is like very wrong with me where did that come from they weren't also like i am a nosy person so if i was here i would probably look through the book not gonna lie but i would and i would definitely play the tape and i would definitely watch the films but i would leave right after i wouldn't like hang out and stay around yeah for sure uh it would already be too late unfortunately if you did i'm so nosy though they could have played it better than they did um so yes he's down there with a video camera video camera the projector you guys it's old uh and blood is just like everywhere Ash manages to get to the shells, but then he's hearing the voices of his friends in his head. 
He goes back upstairs, uh, visibly shaken and running from the demonic forces at every turn. He pulls out the necklace he gave to Linda earlier and does some light pondering. Uh, but then Cheryl's arms bust from the door behind him. He escapes her, but then Scotty reanimates and Ash struggles to fend him off. As he struggles, he's able to finally throw the skin book into the fire and Scotty and Cheryl explode, which takes like a cool 30 seconds. The cream corn. It's like cream corn is foam. Yeah. He hears the voices fading and one last join us and he gets up to see the sun rising and leaves the cabin. As he walks away, something comes from the bowels of the cabin from behind and overtakes him. Finn. Finn, the end. I mean, like, it is a well, like, it's a, like, low budget movie, but it's, like, has... It's fun. It's I mean, fun. It's funny. It's interesting. There's, like, interesting shots. And I feel like I shouldn't say this, but the whole time I was watching it, I kind of just wanted to be watching Cabin in the Woods because Cabin in the Woods is so clever <laughs> and this is so uh, overtly uh, just like really, really like what's the word? It has like overt avarice towards women and right. most yeah. likely other marginalized groups, but they're not even on the screen. Not even anywhere near. Just mentioned Nay. and othered. Um, but I just—it's hard because I like the shots and I like—I think it's the shots are great, well made. And, um, but I—it's tough to. And I mean, for sure, Sam Raimi has like added a lot to the genre, but he mm-hmm. sort of has just like done it at the expense of cultural appropriation and violence against women. So I just don't like—I don't know when do we like really take a holistic look at these things and say, like, what can we really retain? And I mean, like, not to, like, toot our own horn, but how many people in the horror community are having, like, honest conversations? conversations? Yeah, about, like, what kind of things we really have to stop kind of, like, repurposing and perpetuating. Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't buy that you can separate, like, the art from the artist or, like, the art from its connotations like towards misogyny and xenophobia and racism yeah exactly do you think i wanted to stop listening to remix to ignition of course i didn't <laughs> it slaps but you know it's not it's a, kind of about sexual assault and r kelly raped a lot of children like right we can't hold on to that we have to like be able to let things go uh and just like there is content created by it's just like the idea of the classics right is that like there's content created by someone outside of white men that is good content but because not everyone is talking about it and not everyone is heralding it as this like genius movie or genius book no one those those people who are in historically disenfranchised groups don't get the same acclaim. And then it's this self-fulfilling prophecy circle jerk of nonsense. I also think horror will be one of the last genres to really catch up. I think it will be one of the last spaces where we really like decolonize these baked systemic things that are just like in the foundation of what makes horror movies tick because like sexual violence against women, um, the like, other you know the cultural other that has an impact on cishet white people outside of their control like 
excuse me, their cornerstones. Uh, yeah, their cornerstones, like black people dying first, sluts dying first. Like these things are like our community needs to sort of think bigger, but I feel like there isn't like space made for that. Right. It's really, really hard to carve out space because we have like whatever that little like gang of nasty men Eli Roth is in that we talked about in the hostel episode. Right. <laughs> like they are just dominating the conversations and the spaces where people are reached. And I mean, I have no statistical uh, like support for this, but I feel like the horror audience has very often and very persistently been, you know, cishet white men. So it is really alienating for people like us from marginalized identities that want to find a place at the table and to just like continually cover movies like this that like actively harm perceptions of marginalized groups. But it's also, like, because we're making this podcast who is out loud, upfront, anti-capitalist, anti-racist, um, and is hopefully contributing to the dismantling of those systems in some very teeny, tiny, minuscule, in our little corner sort yeah. of way. <laughs> um, but it's, like, then we're... I feel like we're constantly complaining, which is part of it is like there's a reason why we have to constantly complain because these things are still happening. This is 1981. Right. You know, and then like, yeah, this movie like shot for shot could be made today. And that's where it's like such a drag that there's no progress or like really critical thinking about how we treat these tropes, you know. Right. Especially like I feel like in the early 2000s, there was a big like. Wes Craven resurgence and like things were getting remade left and right and there was a lot of like that torture porn iconography and I don't know if you're gonna remake the hills have eyes why would you just I don't know like why would you keep it exactly the same why wouldn't you take an opportunity to think more critically about like the conflation of ugliness and evil like why you guys But this is also, like, what I was looking into is... What? Go ahead. I don't know. I completely interrupted you for no reason. I'm not important. Please proceed. (laughs) I was just going to say that the reason that uh, these things continue is that everyone is stealing from each other and remaking each other and, like, going back to these cornerstones that were set in place by, you know, the first douchebag to do it. And one of those douchebags is H.P. Lovecraft, the, the big bad, the... He's a horrible person, and he contributed horrible things that we should not be um, putting forth as good pieces of culture. They are bad, and they perpetuate racism and xenophobia, um, and he was not quiet about it. It's it, Just like Dr. Seuss, he was upfront, out loud, writing, quote, poems about the, the quote, N-word problem. It's, I He's don't, still so celebrated and I think part of that is because like sci-fi and horror in some ways are able to sort of not touch like mainstream accountability for these things because because they're using metaphor and right yeah exactly but I mean like like, it's uh, it's so obvious like yeah it's so obvious in his work that he's talking about the non-western culture and black and brown people infiltrating white culture and white spaces 
Right. And this, so the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon, which in the first book is called, or first movie is called something else. I don't remember what they call it, but is based on H.P. Lovecraft's book, The Eldrick Tales, um, which are infused with racism and anti-Semitism and xenophobia and was, quote, it's a book that was written by a mad Arab um, and links the evil to non-Western cultures and demonic spirits just like no. in the evil dead it is very bad um and really the bad. and the necronomicon comes from uh sumerian culture and yeah kandar is like presumably in iraq or like it's it's a middle eastern i think it's probably iraq yeah yeah and but... so the so the white people are punished for bringing in other another piece of like evil culture and that evil culture infiltrates the white people and turns them evil bad right exactly straight bad and like yeah the evil dead is making a joke of it and it's goofy and it's funny but those are the underlying issues of it it's like it makes it clear that this is coming from a non-western culture and all of the kids that we see on screen are white and in the second one in evil dead 2 they just double down on it it just gets worse because we see the professor and his wife and his daughter, who is also an archaeologist, and they are the ones who are the main, like, it's, it's all. So it's like a prequel? I haven't seen it. No, it's basically a remake. It's a remake, but it's, uh, like, better, better quality. Yeah, so the, in Evil Dead 2, which I'm sure we'll do someday, Ash um, comes to the cabin with Linda, but they're squatting. They're not renting it. Um, he yeah. just knows of this cabin, and so they go there, and... Um, and then the professor and his wife have just, like, within a week, this has happened to them. Like, they've been taken over by demons. And so the daughter and her boyfriend come back to the cabin to give them the final pages of the text. And then, you know, shit ensues. And, we you know, we get a mother figure instead of uh, just a nameless, basically a characterless woman. Yeah. Instead of a baby, baby wife. <laughs> Yeah, baby wife. Uh, oh, so it's, so it's still Bruce Campbell. I see, I see. Yeah, so, okay, so the Evil Dead franchise was started with this Into the Woods, Within the... Fuck, I Yeah, forgot. that was... I think it's In the Woods, and it's, like, the short... Within no, the Woods? No, I think woods. it's Into the Woods. The In the Woods is the ton of French book I'm reading right now. I think now. it's... Within the, the wood. Within the woods, yeah. And it's I know a, we, I know we could Google it, but isn't this a little? I bit googled it more before. Fun. It's, you can watch it on YouTube. I couldn't finish it because it's kind of unwatchable. But uh, so Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and the producer Robert Tapper made this movie in order to show to people to get them to franchise or to pay them produce the full, movie, the full yeah. movie yeah and they like that's why they had to stop and start a lot because they didn't have any money um and then they made the evil dead and then that same team may also made evil dead 2 and so on and so yes. forth so that's why we get bruce so, campbell apparently over. yeah sam raimi at 20 is uh at the university of michigan and he is like idolizing H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes one class on ancient history and then loosely co-ops the concept of the Book of the Dead. Uh, and then 
he built a film franchise profiting off the marginalization uh, of non-Western cultures and traditions and brown people for literal decades. Like, one 20-year-old dick face took one class at University of Michigan on ancient history and feels uh, like they can take ownership over the funerary rites of an entire culture. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Thank you for that. But now we're all like... You know, now this movie is a cult classic and people are, you know, they're still making like Ash vs. the Evil Dead is still I think it's still on Netflix. It's still going strong. Like, I don't. And this is why I'm saying, like, at a high level, why are conversations about decolonization not happening in horror movies in the same way they're happening in other spheres? Like, right. What does it take to start those conversations? Just like this movie. No one's taking it seriously, so it doesn't seem like... Even though these are big parts of our society. Like, Sam Raimi made one of the biggest superhero movies. One of the biggest and the first of modern... Like, of contemporary movies. Like, he made three of them. I don't know. Like, I just... It's yeah. Now this guy's got a bunch of money, so good, congratulations to him. And like Sam Raimi was so young when he made this; he's still like a relatively young person. He's right. not like the crypt keeper over there. I feel like he could, he has like the resources and the platform to say like, "Oh, that was kind of like fucked up the way that I categorized these like ancient traditions and cultures that I purported to respect and like sort of honor through the making of this movie. Like I just so frustrated because there's so much room for reflection and yet nobody here. We are doing it, you know, like of course women of color and women being not paid for their labor. Well, some people are paying us. We love you. Thank you. you. All of you. Someday we'll get a sponsor and you'll have to listen to us. Say commercials. Jibber jabber. Uh, yeah, so here we are doing the labor of white millionaires. What else is new? Like, Good times. Why can't decolonization reach these spaces where it's like so necessarily needed? I'm writing, a, I'm writing an email to Sam Raimi. I'm do gonna it. I'm going to down. Let's do it. it. Also, they remade The Evil Dead in 2013 uh, where our final girl isn't uh, Bruce Campbell's Ashley, but is a uh, final girl. But, uh, and she, the tree rape scene is back. But then Why? everyone else dies. Because she, so, do you want to talk about misogyny now? Should we? We might as well dive into it. Go I have quite a few notes on violence against women in this movie. Uh, so Cheryl, who's uh, played by Annie, oh God, now I. Now I got to go back to the MDB by Ellen Sand Sandweiss. Uh, she Who was, was also in, there, in the within the within woods. the woods thing. But yeah, she was not in Evil Dead too. Um, good she, for her. Good for her. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, so she plays Cheryl, who uh, gets raped by trees, and uh, so we is have raped. three. Go ahead. Three what? We have three archetypes of women, right? We have the slut. The slut is Shelly, right? They're barely characters. They're barely, like, Shelly is not even, she doesn't get any characterization at all. I, I struggle to call her a slut because we don't know anything about her. We see half a tit. That's all we know. I know. We only see half a tit. Can you believe it? Um, the nerve. I would say, like, Shelly does fill that archetype. Um, 
then Linda is like the virgin mother and then uh baby baby virgin mother and mm-hmm. then Cheryl is sort of occupying this like space of a floater and just sort of a nag like this she's just there to fill the space between like you know we we uphold uh Linda as like this sort of untouchable beautiful angelic figure uh and then Shelly is just kind of like there to kind of move Scotty's trajectory forward. And then Cheryl just seems to be like, we have to move the plot forward and make it clear that there's a threat. And Cheryl is like basically created as an expendable, expendable character. Yeah. yeah. But so in the remake, the woman who is raped by the trees is our final girl. And uh, so then we have like a retribution, but it's also directed by a man. And what are you here to get at him? Uh, Hi, Adam. The dog what? The dog harness. Oh, uh, it's in the dryer. Damn it. Did you not find it? Did you try? I washed Frankie's harness today. Aww. And it was really dirty. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Um, The remake is also directed and written by a man, so. Is like, Sam Raimi, oh, does he touch the remake? I think he might have like producer or something. It. Yeah, I know he was like on board with it, and he wasn't um, like that mad about it. But still, I think yeah. we just need to destigmatize like the idea that being a slut equates to like deserving sexual violence being perpetrated against you in a horror movie. Or why? just like I like was it a why are this happened in sleepaway camp? Why is it okay? to rape women with inanimate objects and it's not like it's horrific like that is that's horrible extremely violent yeah and an extreme dehumanization and so it's in this goofy fucking movie where the yeah. de- they're like the demons are half the time played by dolls like very obviously not people. there are a lot of and bad in this movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a woman has to get raped by a tree like a why tree. and it really like dehumanizing and violent way so well at least oh go ahead well i was just gonna say cheryl is completely dehumanized demoralized and degraded and then like we see that scotty has the capacity for this kind of violence not far below the surface right so he's suggesting that they leave linda there to die when she gets stabbed uh and then you see scotty and ash reveal these true capabilities that they have uh for killing and dehumanizing women because when the women become demonic right it's a justifiable violence against them so you see that they have the capability to be violent and abusive and more like coded and subtle ways but then there is just like whole hog aggressive like disgusting sexual violence and just regular violence against women that is now justifiable for the viewer and presumably in the male gaze all of the women receive so Cheryl is punished for this. Like, she's the first to turn. And all of the women turn first. And they all get the most violent, harshest deaths and, like, brutalization and violence. Like, Scotty, he all of his injuries occur off screen until he turns into a demon. And Bruce, fucking Ash, gets to be the hero. And he gets to feel all these emotions about being sad about his girlfriend. And, he like, he's the... It's just... 
and the men the women, have to fight the women. Yeah. And the women are robbed of their agency uh, mm. because the men don't listen to them and don't like take seriously their concerns. And then they don't get to like have grief or experience the loss that they're going through because they're dehumanized and basically like turned grotesque. And then it's justifiable for Scotty and Ash to murder them. Uh, Linda's. I'm so excited I don't even about. know I what to say. She's like, why is she cutesy and giggly? And she's the weakest demon. Like, she's ineffectual and can't fight back. And, like, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, Shelly was like, if I need to bite my own hand off, I will do that. I'm committed to my cause. And Linda's sitting on the floor batting her eyelashes. Like, give some justice to Linda. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't appreciate it. Also, like, okay, so what are the parameters for turning into a demon is it when i I think it's like some kind of eye contact thing because they really like hammer home shelly hammers home that something has happened to cheryl's eyes i thought that was just a reference to rosemary's baby i guess i'm not smart enough to have picked that up but well yeah because i know because this movie is full of references to old horror movies, right you see like including that's probably West why Craven i'm thinking about joints. the hills have eyes right right yeah but so that's what i thought she said that but it's obviously not exchange of fluids because fluids be flying everywhere literally uh, everywhere literally and everywhere linda just gets stabbed by the demon with a pencil and then she turns but bruce is like scratched and stabbed and he doesn't turn i don't understand well why. he's a man so he's protected and he by has his willpower, willpower yeah. and um, yeah i also think there's a very deliberate portrayal of women as sort of like duplicitous oppressors of men because we mm-hmm. see that linda and cheryl are like tricksters and it's like ash is so earnest and he's just like so frustrated by this trickery because he's like our hero trying to do the right thing um and it's i mean this is just like an extraordinarily anti-woman movie but the treatment of linda is um like pretty egregious i would say <laughs> what the fuck what the fuck yeah. what the fuck <laughs> Um, it's even worse in the second one because the main demon, the like most bloated, most ugly, is the oldest woman. So <laughs> naturally, <laughs> so yeah, Linda um, somehow gets into like an ethereal white silk nightgown before she turns into a demon. Uh, her hair is perfectly quaffed, and basically, she has. I mean, the makeup is so funny, but her makeup is. Essentially, just, like, a little bit of eyeliner that has given her, like, dark circles and some basically, like, raggedy Ann lashes. Right. And she just, like, blinks and giggles. She's like, I dream of Jeannie. Like, that's what I think about. It's like, blink, blink. Like, that. it's just very, I don't know. And she, even in the beginning, she set up as, like, yeah, like, preppy, angelic. She's got the biggest fucking turtleneck I've ever seen. It's a weapon. I don't even know how you can move your head. Like, you can't be on alert for demons in that turtleneck. And she's the she's the one wearing like a Michigan State shirt. Yeah, she's she's true to her school. She's obviously, you know, like Scotty and Linda are like the kind of like or Scotty and Shelly are like the offbeat couple. They sing in the car. You know, they're crazy. They're crazy. They're crazy. Linda is a very good girl. Right. I don't know. And they're, yeah, they have this, like, weird romantic scene that I also kind of like. It's just, like, the eyes, like, the close-up on the eyes is very, like, yeah, 50s This is why I'm telling you. It's something about the eyeballs. 
Well, and then later on when Ash is burying her. When she's her, faking. She's being, faking it. Then yeah. it's like a callback to that earlier scene. But I don't know. I just like. I, I don't know. It's exhausting. <laughs> Um, Why? <laughs> Ash is also so in this movie. Ash uh, dies or gets possessed by a demon because he's like our effeminate leader. But in the second one, they make him way more manly, and he gets to live. Isn't that upsetting? That's kind of interesting. I yeah. wonder whose idea that was. Bruce Campbell, <laughs> Robert. I think Capper. it was you. <laughs> uh, who I think is like the main, our main. Uh, misogynist i mean they're all yeah they're all complicit i can't say anything else but he's the one who was like this tree scene isn't going far enough let's make it raper and then he's also the one who um who like they originally the pencil was supposed to only stab uh the character in the foot but he was like make it the achilles heel so that we really torture the audience i really didn't appreciate it obviously it stuck with me for like my entire life he seems like a gross guy but um he sure does i i i don't know i i i i it's how i feel about it they well apparently this um movie was also a complete nightmare to work on because I, I hear that the 13 crew members all lived in that fucking cabin with no yeah. running water so they're just like shitting in holes uh, and not, never showering for Sam Raimi's stupid ass vanity project uh, and they here also, we are <laughs> yeah right they also like kept running out of money so they had to like go out and get jobs and then come back and make this movie for you know this vision for a lunatic they had to come back and say well i guess i'm gonna shit in a hole for another six weeks you know (laughs) right i don't it's just like an example of like and we also yeah the only characterization of non-white people is as the other as this evil presence that had demonic forces in this book that they made like i don't yeah there's no black people there's no other but they speak perfect english of course um also the very audacity of scotty to just be like guess i'll just take all this person's shit out of their basement and play with it because i have a right to anything that i come across or touch sounds like colonial thinking to me but that sure does what the end of the 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 end of the day this whole movie is about I don't so know. definitely don't let Rebecca stay at your house because she'll fucking oh, I'll through snoop. all your shit. <laughs> I love to snoop. I don't know. It has something to do with like my uh, lack of boundaries. Right? We love a queen with a lack of boundaries. So healthy for uh, everyone. It drives Caesar crazy because he doesn't like it because I'll open his mail. Federal offense. Come fire. Come arrest me. In your defense, I don't know about your stoner husband, but mine generally won't deal with his mail unless, oh, you no. know, someone else intercepts it. So. But I like opening packages. And then he's like, yeah. that's not yours. Why'd you touch it? I'm like, I don't know, because I felt like it. I, don't like, you, it. So I like opening stuff. I was like such a like A1 snooper for Christmas presents when I was a kid. Like, mm, Yeah. Like, what do we got? Uh, So much so that one year my mom totally knew I snooped. uh, So she packaged up and packed all my existing toys as presents. And I had to open, like, ten presents that were toys I already had. Which was so mean. (laughs) Manipulative, yeah. That is a word you can use to describe Stephanie Welty, that's for sure. (laughs) I just, yeah, I don't know. It's I think it has to do with, like... My family dynamics, probably, and that I'm the youngest. But I just, like, 
And my lack of appreciation for material objects is probably also is like, who cares? I mean, it's I, just stuff. Let me see it. It's I don't whatever. I feel like I also like the tea. I want to know what's going on. Like I want to I want to get into it. But I don't know if you're staying in a cabin like that. I feel like you would think twice before you start digging around in the basement. Uh, I would probably just not go in the basement because I'd be uh, spooked. But I would be um, too scared to go in the basement as well. Rightfully so. I don't like. I don't appreciate them sullying the name of uh, the Tennessee nature scape that is uh, Dolly Parton's homeland. So remember, you know, Tennessee gave us Dolly Parton before it gave us the evil dead stuff. Yeah. Uh, Also, yeah. Like, isn't that the ultimate horrible thing? They bring these objects from another culture that they have no right to into Tennessee into the fucking South, man. Like, why? Yeah, it's pretty foul. And to a non-climate controlled basement, just sitting around, like, precious artifacts that are actual, like, important cultural heritage to people living in Iraq and Iran who have cultural ties to that history. But some white American archaeologist thought he had the right to lift those things and take them into his own personal space. We talked about this. You don't. In As Above, So Below is like, like archaeologists, archaeology is inherently colonial. I don't like colonial style thinking. I just like, what, who who allowed you to do this? I don't, nobody gave you permission. Leave them alone. I would be curious. I think I've mentioned that I read one book one time, um, but I read that book, uh, We Keep the Dead Close, about the archaeology department at Harvard. And I would be, like, super curious to hear about who's going into archaeology today. Like, what does the future of the field look like? And how are they, like, are they working towards decolonization? How are they working towards decolonization? Like, is this field really still allowed to exist? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean, I've worked at a cultural institution that had pieces and objects and pieces of art that did not belong to the woman who quote purchased them so like they should be given back for are you referring to the gardner sure. museum star of Stewart the gardner new museum? netflix documentary right. which i don't know if you saw but my sister uh when she worked there she worked in the uh textile conservation department conservation conservation department and she right. embossed some velvet for the Raphael room that is visible in the documentary on the netflix um so i also worked in the conservation and collections department but after your sister but uh i did i haven't seen the documentary it is um um, i mean it's fun to like see all of the spaces like really really beautifully shot like on i mean it's a beautiful museum it's It's one of my favorite places in the entire world but uh there are some serious deep-rooted problems with the idea i mean but that's Every museum has that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I guess I love the gardener, me too. And the gardener has the added like legal <laughs> uh, issues of like upholding the will of basically like a Victorian colonialist and fetishist. Mm-hmm. So, fetishist. is that like oopsie? <laughs> they're yeah, they're like beholden to this dead woman's uh, will. And can't really do anything outside of that. But there are, yeah, there are pieces in that museum that never belonged to her. But now they can't, like, 
they have move to move anything. There. They have to. Yeah, you can't. Or you the know. collection. If they move anything, the collection is dissolved, sold at auction, and the money goes to Harvard. And we really Ugh. don't want Harvard to get any more money. <laughs> so, Disgusting. Um, kind of a catch twenty two. Yeah. A fun uh, story about my time at the Gardner. Uh, part one of the departments at Harvard. I can't really remember which one um, is banned from having events at the museum because they while they were having an event they got so drunk and they started putting their empty glasses in one of the sarcophagus no uh, yeah so i'm not surprised they banned all. yeah you know white guys they be doing what white guys do so probably at harvard business school am i right <laughs> so just but yeah these are conversations that i hope major museums are having and i hope one day everyone who's rightfully had like these cultures who have had these objects and histories ripped from them by colonial america and imperialism and the uk and like france and etc get them back dude france has they don't belong to you france has so many problems oh god like, forcing women not to do something is still forcing women to do something. What? Yeah, like, what the fuck? You can't do that. And I need to read more about what the fuck France is doing in Haiti, because I know it's bad shit, and I it's need bad information. Shit. Yeah. Um, but, like, America, too, you know, aren't we? We're all complicit. We all bad. I know. I feel like it's also easy for uh, Americans to sort of like gaslight ourselves into thinking Europe is different but it's not <laughs> it's not western states uh prop up white supremacy at every turn at the expense of human life so chew on that guys um yeah i don't know i'm sad everything makes me sad what should we cover next week i want to let's cover something made by um a non cishet white guy Shall we? I think it's time. And I think, you know what? I think we should choose. The poll was fun, but. Next. We'll do that next week. Uh, We'll do a poll next week. But this time it's podcaster's choice and you all have to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, the March bonus episode has been released on Patreon. Uh, Some people are struggling with their mental health, not naming any names, but. uh, Both of us both of us i'm I'm doing my best i'm doing my best we're okay uh so shall we fuck some things yeah fuck scotty up top yeah i really hated him fuck uh misogyny and white supremacy and fuck hp lovecraft god damn true enough kind of fuck sam raimi too and fuck imperialism fuck museums museums should kind of like i don't know i kind of don't think they're redeemable i think they really aren't it has to be completely abolition completely is going to change everything and should change everything but as much as i love museums and museums are like church to me they need to change it's bad they bad yeah and they can be better and uh i don't know kind of like fuck the misogynistic and um colonial roots of horror movies like i really want to see these tropes undone i want to see them die which is why two depressed bitches keep coming at your ears every week doing our very best we'll never stop even if it kills us you know 
It probably will. Or heart disease, <laughs> in my case. <laughs> right. Uh, but fuck each other in a nice way. In a nice usual. way. If I could fuck Bruce Campbell in a nice way, I would. <sighs> I might, too. It's the unibrow for me, dog. You know? I, I, I yeah, like and it. the jawline. I like a strong jawline. So, uh, yeah. Stay tuned for what we're going to be covering next week. It is a surprise that's mystical. going to be decided on right now. <laughs> After this call, I mean recording sesh. All right. We love you guys. Oh, wait. Did you say where they can find us? Oh, yeah. So we are the Spooky Succubus cast. We are findable on Instagram at Spooky Succubus underscore cast. Uh, We have a Patreon that's findable in our link tree from the cast where we should probably do more on TikTok. And to all the other podcasts that has sent us nice messages that we send inadequate replies to, you guys are so nice and we're such trash. Like I just sometimes when I get a nice message and I see it before you do, I leave it on red. So you have to deal with it, which I know is really bad. I think we both do that to each other. Sometimes Um, I'm just so paralyzed by the niceness. I don't even know what to do. There is a Venn diagram that was just on social media. Like meme that I like and it was like people I don't like and people I do like and in the center was me not responding to their texts so it's not about I just I (laughs) I can't like I physically can't do it sometimes Um, Uh, communication is hard and we have anxiety (laughs) so don't um, forget don't never yes. forget. So find us on Instagram uh, and email us if you want it's spooky succubus cast at gmail.com <laughs> the pause um, I couldn't remember if there was an underscore but I don't I, think there not is not in our email I don't think uh, who knows you know I um, don't know but thanks for listening yeah we appreciate all of you uh, and we'll just leave you on, on red. red bye bye <laughs>